I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the PowerCat podcast, gopowercat.com's Kansas State Athletics show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Post Game Review Podcast brought to you by GoPowerCat.com. We're sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Caddyshack Golf, where Caddy with two T's, visit Caddyshack Golf for all of your officially licensed golfing woolly apparel accessories and more. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order. Really cool stuff over at Caddyshack Golf. Make sure you go check it out. Tim Fitzgerald in the GPC studios along with our football analyst Brian Hanley on the line. Brian, Kansas State loses to Oklahoma. 37-31. We just mentioned off the air that it was a very entertaining game. Didn't Some of the things that K-State needed to go right didn't go right, including a catastrophic fumble in the first quarter. Brian, I can't recall, honestly, in covering football a long time, back-to-back games in which first quarter fumbles really seemed to change the trajectory of the entire game, but it's happened to K-State in back-to-back losses at Oklahoma State and now to Oklahoma. Jacardi, you're right, puts the ball on the turf, and what looks like a scoring drive, if not a touchdown drive for Kansas State, all of a sudden turns around and gives Oklahoma a short field, and they end up with a field goal, but K-State chased those points all night, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I mean, because they were moving, K-State, we were moving the football right down the field, just like a hot knife through butter. They weren't, didn't have any resistance in anything that we were doing. And then we literally, and it wasn't so much that we fumbled, is the guy ran it back 50-something yards. Yeah. You know, you know, it's one thing to fumble and make them go the length of the field. The guy ran the ball. I'm like, gee, many Christmas, get him on the ground. And so it was, it was catastrophic in two cents that we, we fumbled when we were moving and they ran it back and it just, it changed the momentum. And just what you said, we were chasing every, you know, the whole way. The whole way. Yep. Okay, so did take the lead briefly, uh, up 7-3. They had it at 10-10, and then it started to slip through their hands as Oklahoma got it to 34-17. K-State was playing catch-up. They couldn't catch up at that point. But, Brian, give me your overall thoughts on this K-State effort in this game. You know, the guys played well. Here's what I'll say. I mean, it's tough for me to say and be critical of this, but I'm going to, Tim. we got to make a change on defense. Yeah. Having Skyler back there, I mean, literally, it was completely different on offense. But on defense, we got to make a change. And, and again, I don't want to harp and be too critical, but we do not have the guys to play the kind of defense that we're trying to play because teams have just figured out we're just going to run it right down their throat and they can't stop us. Right. And if we have three men lying, we get zero pressure when we don't blitz. So it's just like, what are we doing? At some point, you got to make adjustments. We didn't do anything. I thought the guys played hard. I thought in stretches they played well. We got didn't get any breaks from the referees. But 
we we got to make some changes where we got to make changes. But overall, I, I mean, I'm excited because the kids played hard, and if we have Skyler as our quarterback, the offense is an entirely different offense. Yep, I agree. It, oh, that's it a, why I'm excited. It's amazing what a difference that kid made on the offensive side of the ball. Let's stick with defense. You you brought up a very, very good point. Kansas State's put in this 3-3-5 defense. It proved to be pretty effective in those first three games. And now that they've got into Big 12 play where teams can run the ball a little bit more um, balanced in their attacks, it has really proven to be not nearly as effective. What amazed me during the course of the game is they never flipped to the four-man front that I remember. And it's like they were just determined to make it work when it wasn't working instead of giving Oklahoma different looks. I can't I can't wrap my mind around that why they would just stick with it. It's like, hey, uh we're gonna sail the Titanic again, but we're gonna hit the iceberg. We're, we're going to just do it all over again because it didn't work out the first time, but we're going to try it a second time. It, I couldn't grasp what they were doing. Maybe it's because they're short on DNs now with a couple injuries, but come on. you, you got to try something different when your defense – and look, they didn't tackle great in space. I, I get some of the things that they did wrong, but I didn't think it wasn't the lack of playing hard. I didn't think the kids were lacking desire. I thought Oklahoma was having an exceptional offensive night but they just couldn't get enough pressure at the point of attack to make a difference. Exactly. Exactly. And then the one thing about it is, is that if, okay, we're running this three man line to get more guys in the secondary and, and that's fine and get more speed on the field and all that stuff is fine. But if you're not getting to the football, first of all, they, when they decided to run it, Oh, you ran it. Right. And then we couldn't do, we put up no resistance. But at some point, though, you got to make a change and get to the quarterback. The guy was 22 for 25. I mean, he, he did whatever he wanted back there, and he hadn't been playing that well. And it's not like OU's line is just his world's greatest offensive line where he had all day. We, we, we couldn't get there. And I'm like, at some point, coaches, put the guys in position to make some plays, man, because it, it, it wasn't working. You have to change if it's not working, if you're trying to win. Just in my opinion, if you're trying to win, you got to do something that's going to work. This isn't working. They're going up and down the field on us. We're getting no pressure. And then, Tim, when we did bring pressure, lo and behold, we got there. It's amazing. Yep, exactly. It's amazing. Both of these teams ran with effect, Oklahoma more so than K-State. Oklahoma ran it 32 times, 131 yards, average 4.1 a carry. K-State ran it 27 times with Skylar Thompson – only having one carry on a sack, but he did not want to run the ball at all in this game. They picked up 100 on the button, 3.7 yards per carry. Both have effective running games to set up the pass, but man, Spencer Rattler, you brought it up. He was on target, and I didn't count the throwaways. I don't know if these three completions, uh, if there was any throwaways in there, but he, 22 of 25, one was picked on those. Two touchdowns. Oh, my goodness, was he good. It was unbelievable. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was on fire. He was, I mean, he was doing things, and and balls were on a rope. That's the one thing. I mean, he was throwing the ball on a rope, getting out of the pocket, throwing on the run, ball on the money. I mean, the guy was on fire. And part of that is because he's really good. And part of it is because we didn't put up enough resistance and couldn't cover the guys. You know, it was, it it was, it was a a 
I guess it was all around. It was just a bad showing on defense for the most part. But that guy's really good. I mean, everybody's saying he's really good. He hadn't played that well. Yesterday, he played that well. He did. Now, if I told you that Oklahoma was never going to punt, the only time they didn't score on a possession was an interception. Um, Spencer Rattler was going to have those type of numbers. Would you have ever imagined this being a one-score game at the the end of the night? I would not. I thought we'd have lost by three touchdowns minimum. Yep. <laughs> and we were right there. We were right there. Yeah, and I think that just shows how effective the K-State offense was. I can't wrap my mind around why Kansas State so easily moves the ball against Oklahoma's defense now for three years in a row. But K-State outgained that Oklahoma offense in this game. That is that's hard to imagine how they did that. And maybe part of it was because they did pick up 55 yards on a fumble return that didn't count towards their total yardage. But outgaining the Sooners, I think you now, everyone understands the impact Skylar Thompson has on this team. And finally, finally, Brian, we do not have a quarterback controversy at Kansas State. I think even <laughs> those who were adamant about trying something different absolutely know now that Skylar is the leader of this team, something we've been t- saying, something the coaches yes. have been saying, something the players have been saying, but some people weren't bought in. They're bought in now, 29 of 41, 320 yards, three touchdown passes, was sacked only once. And because of that knee injury, that partial tear to a PCL, he uh, he stayed in the pocket and he didn't run. And he had some opportunities to take off and instead stuck at stuck it out and looked for a receiver. Brian, it made him a better quarterback in a weird way. Yeah, it did. It did. He didn't. I know one of the, the habits that we don't like and nobody likes is that he drifts out of the pocket to the right side when there's no pressure or when there's a little pressure. He didn't do that yesterday, and maybe it was because he couldn't. He stood in there, he looked, and he just moved from side to side, had great pocket awareness, which is literally what you have to have as a quarterback. Didn't look to run, just looked to throw, and did. And played it. to me, and just in my personal opinion, I don't know that I've seen him play better. I'll just be honest. I, I don't know that I've seen. I know he's had really good games, and I know he played really well against OU before, but yesterday – with in limited capacity for what he could do, I don't I don't think that I've seen him play better. And I congratulate the kid because again, to go out there and do what he did and to not even have the ability to run down the field. And there were times where they got pressure. He just side to side, move here, move there, move back, move forward, get rid of the football. It was I mean, if he's gonna do this. K-State's going to be a lot of football games to him, a lot of them. Yeah, that is a great point. If he can stay healthy and the K-State offense can find this kind of balance, even though it was a little out of whack towards the passing game, which we rarely get to say say with K-State football, but uh, they are going to win a lot of games, and they are heading into an off week. And In the second half of this podcast, we're going to cover kind of the the midpoint Mark, evaluation of this team, even though we're not quite there. We're one game shy, five in the back pocket, seven to go with this off week facing the Cats before Iowa State comes to town. But let's talk about what everyone is talking about, the officials. And um, a very, very strange thing that occurred in which they reviewed a play twice when the rules specifically say you cannot do that. Um, And they're claiming that new evidence came to light. No, that evidence was always available. That's right. You did review the play for illegal touching. You can't argue that you, you reviewed it for 
illegal touching in another way. I mean, you know, maybe you missed it, but the rule is yeah. specific. And the Big 12 has come out and said, oh, no, our officials didn't do anything wrong, which is what the Big 12 always says. The Big, the Big 12 could have the fifth down controversy, and they would not blame their officials. The Big 12 Correct. could have an official murder a player on the field, and they would not blame the official. <laughs> I'm really yeah. sick of it. Just admit you screwed up. It can't be undone, but just admit you made a mistake just the same way you make a kid who gets called for targeting. Accept the responsibility for a mistake, even if it isn't really that much of a targeting. Brian, just give me your thought. Look, I want to say this. They got it right. They they got it right. He did touch that ball twice with his foot. You cannot do that. But you also can't review something twice. And oh. you, you don't get to make up the rules as you go along just to get it right. You know, you, that's Here's, not, that's not yeah. how it works. It doesn't. It never worked that way. If it worked that way, we wouldn't have replay because way back when, when Oklahoma had the fumble recovery in a was a bowl game that was yep. not seen by the officials and there was no replay, that's what led us to this point. If you could just do whatever you wanted to, that would have been a fumble recovery. You can't exactly. make the rules up as you go along, and that's what the Big 12 did, and they let Oklahoma do it, and I don't blame K-Staters for being mighty pissed off. The thing that that just drives me insane, Tim, is, you. for instance, I have never, and I've been watching football 40 years, I have never had an official go over and stand next to an opposing head coach and let the opposing head coach plead his case for damn near five minutes on why he thought something else should be reviewed. I was like, what are we doing? Play the football game. You made your, your decision. What are we doing at this point? And then for them to come back, I'm like, if you can review reviews, everybody's going to do that. Absolutely. I mean, that should be what happens from now on in every football game. A review doesn't go your way. Uh, You know what? Uh-uh. I, I need you to review that again. Well, case they should have done what it. We're talk- Yeah, that's exactly what they should have done. I'm like, because that's literally what happened, and the official let it happen. I'm like, well, then I need you to review everything twice, and we're going to review everything twice because this is absolutely ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, and again, you're right. Although it was absolutely unfortunate, but you can't do it. it. It was, hey, he hit it twice. He did. And it was just one swing of the leg. I get what his intent was, but you know what? Intent is intent, and what happened was what happened. And what happened was he hit it twice, but you didn't call it. Yeah. And if you don't, it's just like a holding penalty that you don't call right. or a face mask penalty. I was part of a face mask penalty that didn't get called in 1998 against Nebraska. Yep. It didn't get called. And it was plain as day for millions of people to see. Ref was standing right there and didn't make the call. So if you don't call it, you move on. But you can't do, oh, well, yeah, that probably, I guess I see on the big screen that it did happen. So, yeah, we'll go ahead and review it again. It was it was ridiculous. And, Brian, I feel like the, the second overturn on K-State was just as bad. That was, it, was, it was worse, it, I think. It, they looked at the evidence and they didn't have the evidence, and they still overturned. Folks, the yes. ball can touch the ground if it's in the That's receiver's right. hands. That is not illegal. That is nope. what they ruled is the ball touched the ground. That does not make it a non-reception. If nope. the ball is jarred loose, if he has to re-catch the ball, if it helps him catch the ball, none of that happened. The ball never moved in Landry's hands. He had it clamped between his, his fingers. It didn't move. It didn't help him catch it. He caught the ball. The ball hit the ground. He never 
uncaught the ball, if you want to say it that way, and they still overturned it without evidence that that have. I'm I'm baffled. I don't know what the hell they were looking at in that re- review booth. Yeah, I, I don't know. Other than I mean, and I know a lot of K State fans are going to say this, and I'm never a guy that says it, but you know what? It's almost like they're trying to get OU to win the national championship on their way out the door because it was, Hey, we're going to give you these calls. We're going to get to, so you can help win the game. So you can stay undefeated. So whatever money comes towards the conference, you know, here's this money as you're leaving. I was just, that's what was going through my mind. And I don't like to get into conspiracy theories because I like to believe that things happen on the football field and, You can control all of that. But that's what it seemed like. I don't blame people for thinking that because I'm like, it was plain as day that the kid caught the ball and all it did was hit the ground in his hands. It'd be one thing if it hit the ground and it bounced up into his chest or into his stomach. I get it. You know, that's not a kid. That's not what happened here. He caught it. The ball hit the ground. He rolled over. The ball was still in his hands, hadn't moved, first down. But they didn't give it to I'm like, you know what? At some point, it's like, what are you doing? Literally, what are you doing? Yeah, and the third one that probably went unnoticed by a lot of people, but it happened right in front of me where my seats are in the press box. I had a perfect alignment on it. Deuce Vaughn was tackled. The tackler rolled him over. Deuce's knee never touched down, and the tackler threw him ahead a good yard. The the mark was two yards behind where it should have been, and K-State, instead of having a first and ten, ended up in a third and one in which they had to go to fourth and one before they picked it up. Little things like that. You're overturning calls and then you don't even review a blatant bad spot in a crucial part of the game. Brian, they've got a problem with replay and it doesn't go all the way to just simply being that targeting is screwed up and the process is screwed up. I think they're in they're hiring old farts to go up into the press box because they're too old to be on the field now. And they're not handling the technology and the ability to make quick decisions the way they should be. This is why that thing wasn't reviewed. What are you watching? That's your whole game. That's what you're in charge of is, is buzzing down and say, hey, we're going to review that mark. It's an important part of the game. This isn't like the the fourth quarter of a of a 30-point game. This is an important mark in the game. This first down is important for Kansas State. Oh, we're not going to review that. I wasn't paying attention. I was having a snack. I don't know what's going on in the replay booth, but it's broken. Yeah, yeah, it's broken. doesn't work the way that it should. Um, and maybe you can chalk it up to they had a bad game or a bad day yesterday, and that's fine. But you have a bad day as an official. You make a bad call. I get that. You don't continuously, especially you don't continuously miss replay calls. I mean, that's what it's there for. I mean, and it's worse. In, I mean, in college, they replay everything. It seems like, you know, where in professional ranks they don't. But in college, they'll replay anything. Right. And it didn't seem like they just did. I'm like, what? It just, I don't know. And again, I'm not the guy that that wants to blame everything on the officials. I'm not that person. But K-State got hosed by the officials yesterday. I'm not saying that's why they lost, because there were opportunities missed. And again, we'll get into they didn't put up enough resistance on defense, and they didn't. But the refs did not help. No. The refs did not help. No, it was craziness. And, and don't even start me on this targeting rule. We got through a game without a targeting. It was kind of impressive. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how we did that, uh, but I did clearly see uh, – 
football yesterday in which the ball carrier were was lowering the crown of his helmet to clear out tacklers but that isn't targeting i because it's not going to harm the ball carrier i don't understand what they're going for in targeting anymore i see nope. targeting called on defenders when it's not targeting when it's uh you know they i posted this on twitter on Saturday, Brian, if you have to go to the replay and parse it and replay it and slow it down and mull it over, you know what it is? It's not targeting. Exactly. Targeting should be obvious, blatant, and dangerous. Yep. And if it's not yep. those three three things, it's not targeting. It's not. Nope. And can we get away with this this vagueness of a um, a ball carrier that is unprotected? I mean, if you're a receiver and you're going across the middle, uh, uh, that's part of it's the game. It's football. It's football. It's football. If if you're worried about that guy not being protected, don't throw that pattern. That's correct. If that's your concern, don't put your receiver in that position. Now, I get it on crackback blocks and things like that that happen in a natural occurrence of the game that are very dangerous. But, okay, but... We had an Oklahoma player spike Deuce Vaughn on his head. Yeah. That's a dangerous play. And you know what didn't happen? He wasn't ejected. Nope. It's just a personal foul. When it was much more egregious than any targeting I've seen in a while. Nope. Just a personal foul. You get to stay and play. You might have broken his neck spiking him on his head, but that's okay. Well, I, I'm just lost at what's going on with officiating. Lost. And you know what I think it is, Brian? They've made it too complicated for these old guys. They just can't They yeah. can't do it anymore. And it's just gotten too complex. Instead of having a rule book, they, they know that, oh, I can screw it up and, and they'll fix it up top. But they don't fix it up top. They make it worse too often. I've said this for years as far as officials. They don't hire – and I know this is going to sound bad, but I'm going to say it anyway – they hire a bunch of guys that are older that, that can't. For instance, you see those guys running, trying to keep up with these kids running up and down the field. I mean, I'm like, there's no way they can keep up with those. You see half of them limping through. I mean, you got to get officials that are younger that can see what's going on, get in the action, be part of it. I'm not saying that older guys can't do that. That's not my intent. Or older guys or women, whoever. I'm not saying that that can't happen. But you know what? People don't play football in their 50s, you know, like Tom Brady might. But you're not seeing a bunch of guys running around playing football in their 50s. There's a reason for that. So why, as an official, I mean, in the middle of a football, why are you out there in the middle of it trying to do the same things? you got to get guys that are in there that are more, I don't know how you get, you know, younger officials. And I'm not saying the game has to be younger, but it, it's, it's got to be better. It's got to be better officiated. I know that. So guys are getting bigger, stronger, faster. So if that's going to happen, then why can't officials? Why can't why don't we hold officials to that same accountability? And it doesn't seem like we do. We seems like we just let that slide. And I'm like, we can't let that slide because it's getting worse. It is getting worse, and you got to put your foot down at some point and say, "Hey, how do we change this for it to be better?" And in my opinion. You got to get younger guys out there. I agree. You got to get younger guys out there. It's just the way it is. Which isn't to mean you can't have some old guys out there, but That's you, right. better have, you better have a, a constant stream of young guys coming up. Here's my idea before we go to break here. How about the NCAA and the NFL get together and they form an actual, like, 
officiating school. We always there talk about the number of college football players that get to go to the NFL, even try out, even to go to camp for a cup of coffee yep. and to get cut. You were able to say you were in a training camp for the rest of your life. That percentage is really low of the number of college football players, particularly when you stop and look at college football, not just from an FBS perspective, but all the way down to a D3 perspective. There's a lot of kids that played a lot of football that might have an interest in learning how to be an official because they make pretty damn good money on the side. Yes, they do. So I'm just going to, I'm going to pull this name out and I, I, I'm just saying this, Harry Trotter, was a K-State running back, went into real estate in Kansas City, killing it, I think. But why – Harry's got the perfect job to become an official, a kid like that. And also, let's be blunt here. We need more of these young black athletes that want to become officials that can go in and and start at the high school level and work their way up. I don't – it's it's don't get it. There are solutions to these problems, and maybe post uh, in every press box and every review room, replay review room, what they can and can't do because they don't seem to know what they can and can't do. Should be right yep. there on the glass. You can't Absolutely. review a play twice. Absolutely. Yeah, you know what? But Tim, that, that's that's letting the guys on the field off the hook. Those guys knew that. They're not. They're not that stupid. I, I refuse to believe that seven guys out there and none of them knew that rule. I re- absolutely refuse to believe that. Right. I don't want to let them off the hook and say that. And, and I get what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. I don't even disagree. I'm just saying the guys on the field they know certain rules because I guarantee you they would know that you don't that you can't review a a a play a, a, like a touchdown. Or, you know, because they those all get reviewed. Right. Or you're not reviewing a turnover and things of like that, because those all get reviewed. They know that. Those guys know the rules. And again, of the seven guys, somebody knew that you couldn't review a review, and yet they just let it go. Brian, I'm not sure what's worse, uh, not knowing the rules and being an official or knowing the rules and ignoring them and being an official. Both, yeah. both are fireable. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Right, let's take a little break right here. You're listening to the PowerCat Postgame Review Podcast, sponsored by Caddy Shack Golf. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. 
Welcome back to the PowerCat Post Game Review Podcast, sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. For K-Staters, by K-Staters, jackets, hats, polos, t-shirts, golf accessories. Caddyshack Golf, where caddy with two T's, visit Caddyshack Golf. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order at caddyshackgolf.com. Okay, let's move on to the state of Kansas State football. Now, Brian, I have seen uh, on our message board on Twitter, and granted, they're the outliers, but I just want to put it out there that uh, Chris Kleiman is Ron Prince uh, 2.0. And if you straight look at the records, I see where a simple mind can come to that conclusion. Oh, he went to a bowl game. Oh, he had a, he had a losing record in his second year. And now he's 3-2 and two this year, and he's probably going to have a losing record. It's Ron Prince all over. Come on, man. That's not what yeah, happened no. with Ron Prince. Ron Prince didn't, no. didn't get fired simply because he wasn't winning enough. He got fired because he was a crap human being. We don't have that going on right now, folks. We got one of the best human beings I've met, along with Bill Snyder, Chris Kleiman, the princes. Awesome. But come on. Uh, And plus, I don't remember Ron Prince having to coach through a pandemic in year two. So uh, I I know people are tired of the pandemic excuses, but it did have an impact on K-State season. This isn't Ron Prince 2.0. This is silly. I don't even know where that's coming from, but I hear it. I definitely hear it and I see it, but it's not even close to the same thing. Uh, And first of all, K-State is their quarterback was hurt and the quarterback comes back. And if he continues to play like this, Kansas State's not going to have a losing record. I don't know what people are talking about. And I don't believe the season is over. I don't believe the season is in a doubt. Even if we lose to Iowa State, the program is going in the right direction from where it was. And isn't that all we want? I mean, isn't that what we want for the program to be going in the right direction? Yeah, they got to do some other things. Yeah, we got to get some more Joes. I get all of that. But the program has moved. The program was never moving in the right direction under Ron Prince. It just wasn't. It absolutely, even the year we went to the bowl game, how many games in a row did we lose down the stretch? And we looked horrible. And then, and we won. I couldn't believe, I mean, that game that we won against Texas. I'm like, okay. And then the next week we went out and got destroyed and we didn't look good. In any game after that. Nope. I mean, the program I mean, program was downhill after that. I go, so it is, I mean, the people got to say, put their foot on the brakes and pump them very, very hard if you're trying to go down that road because this is not even remotely the same thing. Not even remotely the same thing. Now, with all that said, they do have seven games to go after this off week, starting with sure. Iowa State. And if they go into a nosedive, I will accept the fact that people have a right and shouldn't be very happy if K-State ends up with a losing record. This team is better than a losing record. This team isn't great. We've never made that claim, but I think this team's good enough to win eight, and they're still on track to do that, or more. But you have to stop and look at who they've lost to now. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are both top 12 teams at 5-0. and Correct. And, and Stanford just beat Oregon, the third-ranked team. And Nevada yes. just won at Boise State. So they have yes. some nice wins. Well, let's let this play out. We're going to get into the back yes. half of the schedule now where it's much more manageable for Kansas State. I, this program isn't in a position on a weekly basis to compete with Oklahoma. Have they beaten them two years in a row? Yeah. But we know what goes into that. It takes an all-hands-on-deck-everything-went-right performance. They didn't get that on Saturday, but it doesn't mean they're falling off the ledge. No, absolutely not. I just, I mean, again, some of you win, some of you lose some. 
you know, and this Saturday, yesterday was a game that we lost, you know, that we, yes, we could have won. I admit we could have won the game, but OU's really good. Yeah. I mean, you know, let, let's not kid ourselves on how good they are. Oklahoma State, yeah, they weren't world beaters. Oklahoma State's 5-0. and I mean, Oklahoma State is a good, you know, and I know, and I, I don't know why other K-State fans, I think they do know, I think they sometimes they don't accept it. Oklahoma State recruits very, very well, and they get a ton of athletes, and they have a ton of athletes on their team, and they're very, they're good. They're good on defense. They're good on offense. So K-State, the season is right here in the balance for us to just grab. You know, nothing is off the table as far as, I mean, obviously winning a national championship, but did anybody ever have that on the table to begin with? So let's talk about some stuff and put it in perspective. The season is right here. And to me, it's beginning today. Okay, everything, the first five games, we, we, we moved on, we played, we're going to get a bye week, let's reset, and then let's move forward from there and see what we can do because I think we got a lot of stuff in front of us, a lot of stuff. And nobody is blowing me away. I thought Texas, maybe they're good, and then they look ho-hum at TCU. And West Virginia, right. I thought, boy, they look good against Oklahoma, and then they go home and lose to Tech. I don't I don't know right. who's good or bad in this conference other than the fact that I know that there's two unbeaten teams in this conference, and they're both pretty good. Um, are they up to normal standards? I don't think Oklahoma's as good as they have been, but they are still the best in the conference. Hell, let's be blunt here. The best team in the conference is Cincinnati and they're not even in the conference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, Cincinnati's really good. <laughs> I mean, that, but it just goes to prove, and BYU might be as good as Oklahoma, and uh, it just goes to prove all those people that say, well, you can't replace Oklahoma and Texas. Maybe you can't replace them in TV ratings, but really that's not what's important in the big picture. This New conference is going to be pretty good on the field, too, because when you have 12 teams that all respect each other and get after it, someone's going to emerge. Someone's going to emerge as the team. Um, I I think K-State's in pretty good position. I don't think that the program's in great position. I'll admit that. They're failing in some recruiting areas where they shouldn't be failing. They need to evaluate how they're going about recruiting. I will be very blunt about that. I think they um, aren't putting people in the right positions to succeed behind the scenes. But the transfer portal changes all that, Brian. Look at Oklahoma State. They have a star running back from Utah State. And Utah State's still pretty good. There are players everywhere that might want to move up, and K-State has done that, had success with that, and they will go back to that. The transfer portal changes everything, doesn't it? absolutely does it gives teams opportunities kind of what i mentioned previously uh, and that we've talked to him is that although we hope that our quarterback is on campus me personally i don't think that he is next year i think there's somebody else that's going to be available that comes in and comes and plays and that's okay because now this transfer portal is literally part of recruiting. I know some people don't like it. Hey, you got to embrace it because it's here. So if it's here, then use it to your advantage. And it is now part of recruiting, you know, just like anything else. And so you got to get out there and get admit after it because everybody else is going to. Even the Alabamas of the world are going to use this transfer portal to their advantage. So if they can do it, we can do it. And we should do it. And there's going to be plenty of kids that we're going to be able to go get through this and change some things because 
it's kind of what you said before, especially on the recruiting front. There's just some places that we aren't in place that, and this is just me being a K-State guy that played at K-State and knows what was here when I was there, is the the footprints and where we get guys, we're not there anymore. And you have to be, to compete like we've got to be able to be in texas and get guys out of texas we got to go be able to be in florida and get guys out of florida we did that when i was at k-state we don't do that anymore i mean it's and i get you're going to swing and miss a lot of times you're going to and maybe i know the budgets are are what they are and you're going to swing and miss and maybe some way but if you plant the seeds eventually it will grow and that's just you just have to do that with this recruiting thing you know, K-State pops into Florida once in a while. They had Josh Youngblood who transferred and R.J. Garcia right. now out of Tampa. People ask me, why do you want South Florida in the conference? I'm like, I don't really care about South Florida. I want Tampa nope. St. Pete in the conference to go That's with right. Orlando and UCF. I want That's that right. entire corridor in central North Florida, however you want to say it, to be carrying big 12 flags and all of those kids in those high schools know that this is a big 12 town. My school, my local school is a big 12 school. And I think it'll raise the profile of recruiting for big 12 teams in that, that central Florida area tremendously. And I'm all in on it, but they skipped South Florida this time around. I think they might revisit it, but I don't know. South Florida has got to take care of some business. Let's get back to K state. So, um, I, I like where this team is, but I find myself all of a sudden like now they got to fix defense. You know, defense yeah. seemed to be good and offense was having issues. They got to figure out this defense and and why they're getting torched so much. Have they just been outmanned at the point of attack, or is there something really flawed about the way they're running the three man front? It's. I think it may be a little bit of both, but. I don't think that we just don't have the personnel to be able to run it. When teams decide they're going to run the football here the last two weeks, they've run it and run it well. And we ha- and we can't get the pressure that we need. You know, it's one thing if you're going. It's one thing to run a three man line if you're getting pressure, and if you're going to get pressure, that's fine. But if you're not going to get any pressure, then it's a problem. Because you're going to have 10 guys in coverage. If nobody's rushing the quarterback, eventually somebody's going to get open. Right. And that's what's happening. So it's it's personnel, it's scheme. I think you got to make changes when you got to make changes. That's one thing that I'm really disappointed with the coaching staff on is like we don't make adjustments at halftime. It absolutely drives me insane. And we got to be able to do that not only on halftime, but on the sidelines. The guys in the booth, what are you doing? Tell them, hey, this is going on. This make adjustments because if you don't do that, it's hard to to win football games tough and close football games when somebody's doing something over and over again and you don't adjust to that, well, it's hard to win a game like that. Sure. you got to be able to adjust. We, we don't do that, and it just drives me bonkers when I see it because I'm like, guys, we, they're running the ball right at us. You know, they're not running – it doesn't matter about the speed that we have out there. They're not running outside zone plays. They're not running sweeps. They're literally running inside zones and off tackle right at us. We got to do, we got to get more people in there, bigger people in there. And that that's the thing we just, and we, I don't know either we don't have it or they won't do it, but 
either way, it's we got to fix it because it's you know there's some teams that, that down the road Iowa State being one that can run the football. Yep, and we got to be able to stop the run. You know, when you stop and really boil this defense down, they've gone from the three three five or from the four two five to the three three five, and so they took a defensive tackle or a defensive lineman off the field and replaced him with a strong side linebacker, which is Ryan Hennington or Wayne Jones, which in reality is a beefed up safety. That's all yep. it is. So they've gone to a, a a permanent dime formation, but you're walking a safety up into a linebacker spot and asking them to run stop like a defensive lineman. That's not how football works. That's no, not it what's is not. taking place. They're getting they're getting overpowered right now at the line of scrimmage. Something I couldn't explain why it wasn't happening earlier. Well, it's happening now, and they better figure it out. Yeah, they're just literally, it's kind of what I mentioned. You, you got to get some bigger people playing in the football game because when teams decide they're going to run downhill, that is exactly what a defense does not want you to do. You know, you run bias on the on, on the outside. We can fix that. We can change that. We can, whatever the case may be. But at the same time, if they're just saying, you know what, we're going to line up and just run it right at you and run off tackle and just keep running it. Well, we got to make some changes because it, it demoralizes everything. And that's what you don't want to see. You don't want to see the team get demoralized because when you do, that's when when bad things start to happen on a football team. I'll, I'll just say that. Right. You're exactly right. And also, I think a, another impact of it is it takes a really good linebacker um, in Daniel Green and negates him because he's got more traffic around him. He doesn't have those defensive linemen holding up all the yep. other offensive linemen. He's got old linemen coming at him now. I, I like it. I, I'm not opposed to this defense at all. I like it. It's just you got to know when to use it. It's a tool. Correct. And you got to learn when you're using the wrong tool. And boy, they seem like they're using the wrong tool. Offensively, I, I think uh, everyone's optimism has been boosted. If Skyler can stay healthy, this offense has potential. They still lack at receiver a little bit, but Mr. Landry Weber stepped up and became the kind of possession key catch guy that we knew he could be. Even if one was overruled, he caught the ball. He's a reliable guy, and that helps. But Skyler kind of brings it all together, doesn't he? He absolutely brings it all together. Um, again, what I've been harping at for the last couple of weeks is a quarterback just being able to drop back, see the defense, and throw the ball 12 yards down the middle of the field. And, I mean, you have to be able to do that at every single offense in the country, pretty much at every level, and we hadn't been able to do that the, the past few weeks. He can do that. That changes everything. Tight ends were involved. I mean, it, it was amazing. And, again, we're it's just what you said. We're lacking a little bit of receiver. But you know what? Guys are stepping up and making a few plays here and there, and that's all you can ask. Just do what you can do. Get open and make a play. Right. Get open, make a catch. And Skyler changes all that. Just by being able to throw the ball down the middle of the field, taking what's given. And let's abandon the quarterback run game for now until he's completely healthy. We've got plenty of running backs that can run the football. Let them do it. Let them do it. And let's just. And I know that it's going to take a step back with, with certain things. And I know that that's been a staple of a casing offense forever. But you know what? We need the quarterback to be upright right now versus him running the football. We got some guys that can run the football. You know, in years past, K-State, the best running back was the quarterback. That's not the case right now. 
So let's let the running backs do what they do, and let's the quarterback do what he does. The offensive line, let's let them do what they do, and let's keep moving. Because if again, yesterday was any indication moving the ball against OU, then I'm happy because we moved the ball at will, and it was very promising. And I mean, if we can continue to do that all year, we're gonna we're gonna be in every game. It's gonna be exciting, and I'm excited for it. I agree. Uh, I'm all for the quarterback run game. But I like it as a change-up pitch. Just do it. Yeah, that's right. Don't expect it and pull it out. Uh, and let's wrap it up with this. Special teams, they finally showed up. They've been really good the last two weeks. Unfortunately, it's yep. been in defeat. Uh, and I'm not just talking about Malik Knowles taking back-to-back games with a with a home run hit on a kickoff return. The punting's been solid. The the kicking off's been solid other than someone's heel got in the way. Um, field goals, State and Winkle's been money. Special teams has really come to form now and is impacting the game. And I think against lesser opponents than, we've, than what K-State's seen the last two weeks, we're going to see an impact to special teams coming down the stretch too. Absolutely. We're going to see a punt block. We're going to see a punt return. It's just going to happen. I mean, that's what K-State does. That's who we are. Um, and just like you said, it's going to change. It may even change the momentum of a game where we're not playing as well. Get a big play on special teams, and then a snowball effect happens, yep. which that happens a lot, which, you know, sometimes you need that little boost, and that's okay because special teams is part of the football game. So uh, it's starting to come come to fruition, look very well again, uh, and it can be a weapon. We might as well use it. He is Brian Hanley, former Kansas State offensive lineman in the 97-98 teams, on the 97-98 teams, and our football analyst at GoPowerCat.com. Brian, I appreciate it very much. We will reconvene. And we get a week off, man. You don't have to talk to me for a whole, like, 10 days. It's going to work out well for you. That's it for this edition of the PowerCat post-game review podcast sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. I'm Fitz. That's Brian Hanley. K-State loses 37-31 to drop to 3-2 and in the season and 0-2 in Big 12 play as they head into their off week. And we will talk to you in a week when the Cats are preparing to play Iowa State. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Go